I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome to the snack episode. Hello. Dr. Lori Funken is joining us again. Dr. Funken is a licensed psychotherapist, and she was with us on um, the episode last week, and she also did an episode with us last season. We're going to continue our discussion about introversion today. Dr. Funken, thank you for uh, agreeing to record another mini episode uh, with us. We we really appreciate it. Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm happy to be here and continue our discussion. Yeah. So can introverts learn haha, to become recharged by crowds, noise, and superficial interaction? Um, in other words, can can introverts be fixed or improved? <laughs> Those words are triggering. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. For the record, JJ and I don't, we're not saying that, that introverts need to be fixed. It, it's just an academic question. Mm-hmm. Right. And and as far as I understand, there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And if it's part of your temperament, just like being an extrovert is, would we try and make an extrovert into an introvert? Would we say to them, you can no longer be energized by social social situations and stimulation. You need to be stimulated by going on a forest walk for an hour and a half by yourself. <laughs> they, they'd probably be like, I don't want to do that, you know? I would say that, like you already said, there's nothing to be fixed. I think it's more about understanding. But anytime you take anybody and try and force them to be the thing that they're not, it's not going to fit. And what I believe and what I, you know, in reading these books and, and listening to people speak, our culture has more affinity towards the extroversion and the socialness. And and so we've already tried that. And what's happened is that we have a lot of people that are feeling like they don't fit in or there's something wrong with them because of the way they are. And so that's not healthy. And um, in a culture that really does reward this extroversion and um, stimulus, you know, there's a lot of stimulation trying to force somebody to be different than they are is really going to put people into more despair. And so I I hope that answered the question. I I really think our temperaments are our temperaments. We can shift how we respond in certain situations, but fundamentally we are who we are. And so for us as individuals first to embrace that, we have to embrace ourselves and then bring that forward and know that for introverts, a lot of times we're kind of pushing a rock upstream and it's it's going to be difficult. And we have to figure out how much education do we want to do and, and how much can we just accept and say, this is who I am and this is what I need and, and I'm okay. I wish I could take you back in time so you can tell that to my mother and she wouldn't make me be a cheerleader for three years. Oh, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine anything worse as an introvert than being a cheerleader? <laughs> you it. it was terrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, not fun. <laughs> and my mom that always said, you're too sensitive, honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? No. And I've made a living. <laughs> On being sensitive. <laughs> from being sensitive. 
right? Or you're so quiet or is something wrong? And, you know, even at family gatherings, if I'd be really quiet, it would be wrong because I was bringing the rest of the family down, which I wasn't really, but I got this feeling like I was. So Mm -hmm. I had to put this on. Yeah. Yeah, my new response to that is uh, of why are you so quiet? I'm like, well, why are you so loud? Because, <laughs> you know, it's a problem. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, so um, last week we talked a lot about how to recognize if you're an introvert and sort of what that means for, you know, planning your career and things like that. Um in this episode, we're going to talk more about how to sort of navigate the workplace as an introvert and what business owners and managers can do to sort of support the introverts in their lives. As we talked about on the last episode, the nature of our work as veterinarians is hectic, it's loud, it's full of interaction with other people, which are all things that make introverts sort of drained. So what are some strategies that introverts might use to decrease the that mental load that accumulates from each veterinary shift? I think uh, part of it is revisiting some of what we talked about last time. It's just really being aware of the different parts of your job that drain you and taking note of that. What When do I feel the most drained? What if I just completed? When do I feel the most energized and focused? And so initially to get familiar with yourself in the workplace and those different elements of your job and where you find energy and where it kind of is depleting you so that you have a good picture of yourself at work. And uh, once you can kind of see that, then you can move from there to does something need to change? Is it something I actually have control over and can change? Like, can I change the order in which I do things? Or, you know, what do I have control and agency over that I can actually change? And what do I need help and support with changing? And so once you determine those things, what you can change, you can figure out how to change that for yourself. And it may even just be your mindset about something. Um, Or it may be actually the way you do things. And then what do I need help changing? And who are the people that I need to talk to about making those changes? So that would kind of be a first step, like an initial assessment analysis of it. What are the components of it? What can I change myself? What do I need help with? And then figuring out how to ask for that. I think as a a manager or a leader in the office or in the practice, that conversation would be different because they kind of need to look at how their operation is running and then get an assessment of each individual in the operation or the practice, and have a dialogue as a whole team, maybe it might be a little bit different for the practice owner or the practice manager and kind of, and it may not be it that the first step may be the same, just analyzing, what are we doing, assessing, what are we doing, who's doing what, do I have the best people in the, in the right roles? Are there other people that have different strengths that I might want to move around? So that might be an individual kind of process, but then really bringing every voice to the table to see how then how then might we do that? So one of the things that I've sort of noticed over the years of working in veterinary offices in particular is that workplaces often arrange things like social events and activities that sort of help support their more extroverted employees. But 
But these types of social events are a little bit excruciating for introverts to go to. It's kind of like, but we just finished an eight hour shift together. So like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I want to be by myself now. And I find that extroverts completely don't understand that point of view at all and are like, you don't like me. You don't want to be social with me. And I'm like, but we were social for eight hours. Exactly. <laughs> like, <I can't... laughs> Yeah. You know, what can managers and bosses change or consider changing to support their um, less extrovert employees to help them out and uh, allow them to recharge? And how can, uh, how can they provide a more balanced atmosphere in which both introverted and extroverted employees feel supported and have time to recharge? You know, that's such an interesting question because as we've been speaking about uh, maybe the higher percentage of introverts in veterinary medicine, it's interesting that, you know, if the veterinarian or the practice owner is also an introvert um, or the manager, probably the man, it depends on if they're the manager too, then, you know, I think that's another maybe cultural thing that we think that the way we unwind and recover and recoup from a day at the office is more socializing. (laughs) <laughs> but in a different environment and they might not even want to do it, you know, but they think it's expected because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. another interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about before. But if we're looking at a, at a profession where there might be more introverted folks, why are they, why are they do it? Why, why do they choose those as the, as the, the gathering things, the group things? Um, and they may be just as uncomfortable. So, Again, it's kind of acknowledging that we have a mix of people in this practice, uh, different personalities, different strengths, different temperaments, and it's not a one size fits all. But in our culture, it's like TGIF, you know, we're all going out or we have to have the company picnic or we have to whatever it is. That might be more of our larger culture than, than even the practice culture. So to really seriously look at the people and then being aware of our own if I'm the practice owner what's my own tendency do I really want to go out with my colleagues again or am I ready to go home um and what what do my team members want and then allowing an out for people you know that things aren't always mandatory or maybe even getting ideas from your team about what what does re-energize you? What kind of things would you like to do together? Uh, and it might not always need to be hugely stimulating. It might even be going to a movie together where you each sit in your own seat and then that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, far more preferred. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the the diversity of events and, and things that you can offer and then obviously not making things quite as mandatory. There will be people that really thrive on doing the more stimulating things, like getting a team. Well, that might not be as getting a team together to do a walk for raising money for some foundation. That might be an introvert kind of thing, too, a smaller yeah. group. So there are different ideas instead of just, you know, we're having a beer, pizza and bowling party and going dancing and everybody needs to show up if you're really going to do the team spirit thing. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely kind of makes you feel like there's sometimes where I've not gone to these type things. And then 
the next day at work, you know, the people that have gone, they they seem more bonded. They have new inside jokes and it can make you feel excluded. And so you again start to feel like, well, it's my own fault because I didn't go. But at the same time, I'm like, if I went, I know by the time I got back to work today, I would be super crabby pants. So, hmm. Do I, you know, keep myself from saying terrible things to people because I'm angry or do I feel left out? (laughs) Because sometimes it just feels like those are your options. Right. So figuring out what kind of uh, social activities you would enjoy with them. And I mean, maybe even coming up with one that you uh, facilitate that feels more comfortable to you like mm-hmm. walking in a walk to raise money for something or going to a movie or so that you're not disengaged or not engaging at all, but you're engaging in a way that's comfortable for you. And it is hard. And I was thinking this morning before, before I met with you both about, you know, fear of missing out FOMO mm-hmm. and uh, how it's a big thing that, cause everybody wants to be included and accepted and all of that. That's just part of being a human being. And yet, uh, how often do do introverts have FOMO? And is it because they actually miss the event? Or is it because when they get back to work the next day or when they're with their classmates, they're all like, oh, my gosh, the Halloween party was just so amazing and blah, 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 and such and such costume. And you're like, oh, my, maybe mm-hmm. I should have gone, but I didn't have FOMO before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have it now that they're all continuing to talk about it. And it was a decision not to go for my own benefit. So uh, it's just an interesting thing to consider. But how can you maybe create things that would even include something that would feel comfortable for you? And my guess is if you did that, there are other introverts that would say, oh, thank goodness, we're going to do this this time instead of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Maybe like mix it up a little bit, like Dr. Funken was saying, like, okay, maybe maybe this this office thing is going to be we're going to go out to dinner together in a, you know, to a bar or something like that. What about this next one? Let's do one of those painting things where we all sit quietly, don't talk to one another, drink wine and watch them (laughs) do the painting and we try to copy it, you know, and then maybe we're going to go on a trip to a concert together one other time. And then, but then the next thing that we do is like, um, maybe we're going to do a book club or something like that. That's like, you know, a highly introverted (laughs) activity Mm -hmm. where they've been given a task and they have studied the book and now they can just like sit and talk about the book. (laughs) And there's like a Mm -hmm. specific subject that we can go in depth on and it's not superficial. Um, Exactly. Toss it up, toss it up. Not the idle chit chat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I have this sort of like, like I'm always thinking in my head, like my, what would be like my dream practice? You know, like anything goes, You it doesn't have to make financial sense or anything like that. But like, what would I ultimately want to provide? And in my ideal fantasy practice, there is a library, like a, just, it's not huge, like just a small room. And on the door, it's like quiet when entering and it's, you know, not dark, but just like a little bit of a of a decreased lighting. Maybe we've got some soft music playing. Maybe we've got some aromatherapy. And that's where you go if you don't want to be bothered during your break or your lunch, right? It's just like no one is allowed to come in here and be loud or talk to anyone. If someone is in the library 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that would be like the fantasy introvert lunch break area as compared to like the normal break room, which is like loud and there's all stuff of stuff going on and there's everyone together and there's microwaves beeping and like all sorts of things are happening. Yes. Which so that's is what I, I would put in my, my fantasy car. hospital. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It, it reminded me of, I think this happened at our orientation, because our vet school orientation pre-COVID was pretty much rah, rah, rah. You know, you're in a small group and you're doing all this stuff. And I mean, for an introvert, it was just like an overload. And I was in charge of it. And so it was super overloading, but for a while, not for the last few years. But I think we were going to have a table in the dining hall for students that just wanted to eat quietly in, in silence. And I don't think we ever did that because no students would go to that because they didn't want to be identified as. Hmm. They didn't want to be outcasts. Hmm. Hmm. That's a tough one. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, again, a cultural thing that I don't want to sit at the quiet person table because, one, I might be the only one that sits there, <laughs> you know, because no one else is willing to sit there even though they want to so badly. Um, and I don't want to stand out. And in veterinary medicine, that's a big thing around stigma of standing out. I do not want to stand out. I do not want to be identified in that way. So hmm. it's interesting. Hmm. But I love that idea of the library. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it in my house for myself. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> hey, I that's what burns in there. The, the house we're building, there's each of us have or have our own room that we're going to be and i'm turning mine into my it's going to be a library slash music area all right I have my my record player my books and if my door is closed you don't bother me <laughs> it's gonna be great which i don't have to worry about much i mean ben's an introvert too so right <laughs> <laughs> it's handy for home living not handy for when you need to go buy a car <laughs> I went to a retreat one time where you could, if you wanted to, put a little uh, name tag thing on that said, in loving silence, <laughs> which meant oh. that, you know, you were in loving silence and, you know, you were going to do the silent retreat. And it was a very respectful way to tell people to please not talk to you. Mm -hmm. I brought the I brought the little name taggy thing home and I put it on my bulletin board at work. And of course, I never wore it, <laughs> but I had it there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because of my experience, and it's, it has, I haven't had a lifetime of experience, but the experience that I have had to just see that for the introvert, the highly provocative environment, the profession of veterinary medicine. Uh, working with clients and patients and a lot of times in critical situations that it may push push us in ways that we weren't anticipating when we signed up to work with animals because mm -hmm. we love them and we're called to do that work or it's a passion for us. And so reflecting on and considering how can I do what I'm called to, what I'm so passionate about and honor who I am and what I bring and then kind of this job crafting or this awareness of what strengths do I bring and we really need to think about that. So I would hope that 
conversations might start happening and practices around the strengths that everyone brings, the temperament that they have, and how can we build off of those things to make this practice as safe and successful and functional as it can be for the people that are working in it and the people that are coming to us for our services. And there is one activity that I thought of when you were talking, it's a reflection, where we have people just reflect on imagining what, where would they be working if they could be working in an environment that would honor their highest values and who they are and what they bring? Who would your colleagues be? What would you be doing? Where would you be working? What would your clients know from being in this place that honors your highest values as a, as a veterinary professional? Uh, what would they say about it? How would they feel when they come in there? So it's kind of, it's the same reflection that you're talking about with your library, but it's really thoughtful because in veterinary medicine, at least in school, we tell the students, you know, what to read, uh, when to show up, what to wear, what to say, uh, when to sleep, when to eat, you know, when they can go to the bathroom, which is, you know, <laughs> we, we have all these things that we're telling them. But the kind of the culture describes how you're supposed to be. But if you could create an environment, what would that be? Who would your colleagues be? Who would you be working with? Where would you be? What would your days look like? So something for people to reflect on. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really helpful exercise for a lot of people. And I, I can't wait to go back and listen to this so that I can do the exercise. <laughs> I think I've done maybe parts of it before, but I've never really considered the some of them, some of the things that you just mentioned, like wh who are your colleagues that you're working with and things like that. And how are interactions happening? Yeah. And um, what does your ideal day look like? And then what does that communicate to those around you? Where would you be working if you could actually work in that place that really represented the highest values to you and the way that you want to serve? Well, Dr. Funken, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. It's time to talk about our favorite thing. My favorite thing this week, uh, well, I turned 39 years old and I got to spend some time with my mom and I got to go swimming and we went hiking and we did some different things. And it was really fun just to spend some nice one on one time with her because I don't get to see her very much since she lives uh, in another state. But I had a really good time doing that. And now one one more year older. I only have one year to plan my 40th birthday party, which is going to be, you know, like a real rager. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about what that's going to look like. <laughs> Maybe we'll be post-COVID finally when I turn 40. That would be great. <laughs> yes, definitely. JJ, what about you? Um, I got to spend some time with family uh, yesterday and it was a lot of fun. We didn't get to spend a whole lot of time swimming because storms happened but it kind of forced us to go back inside and we got to uh sit around the table and do a lot of talking and bonding which we don't always get to do so and my dad sat and participated so it was it was kind of nice oh that's awesome dr funken what about you well uh 
I adopted a dog in November, uh, a little border terrier. He weighs 10 pounds and his name is Rio. (gasps) And they think he's about, they thought he was about a year old when I got him. And uh, so he's maybe a year and a half, but he still has a lot of puppy energy. He's hilarious. He is (laughs) so hilarious and adorable. But we're doing dog training. And so we had our dog training yesterday because I want him to be a good dog. And he may even be a therapy dog. They said he's probably (gasps) a good candidate because he's really good with kids and and, uh, older people. So um, yesterday he did a he did really well. We're learning to come when you're called. But it's been fun to really work with him and see him progress in his training. And I realized that it's not about his progression as much as it is about mine <laughs> and me <laughs> continuing to follow, you know, the the guidance of the of the trainer and, and practice a lot. So it's fun to watch him responding to me in that way and how attentive he is. And uh and he he just makes me smile. He is he's just a little <laughs> crazy, crazy dog. Uh, but everybody that meets him. I've had more than one person say to me, uh, if your dog is missing, I've taken him. <laughs> or uh, yesterday I was leaving a place with uh, some folks and I'm like, okay, we're going to go now. And the gentleman said, just leave the dog. You, you can go, but leave the dog. You know, so <laughs> I know he's well loved by, by others. So he's just a, a, and I'm 61 years old. I have never had a dog. Oh, wow. Mm. So he is also my first dog. Oh my goodness. So I super lucked out that I got such a gem. He's just a yeah. sweet little soul. <laughs> yeah. And oh um, so, yeah, it's a new adventure for me for sure. Uh, but it, he brings a lot of joy. And now I, I totally understand what people say when they're like, yeah, who, who saved who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is this your first pet at all? No, okay. we have cats. Oh, yeah. you have kitties. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I've always had cats. And, um, my first husband had two dogs, but they were his dogs. So, but yeah, this is my first, yeah, first dog. It is a journey too. Yes. When it's like your first personal dog, uh, there's so much to do and learn. And I love that you're taking him to training classes. That is so important. Mm-hmm, and not everyone does that. And it, it, they should, they really should. It's, it's so important. So thank you. From all yes. of the veterinarians in your life. <laughs> I have a lot of veterinarians in my life, and they've also said, if you ever want to get rid of that dog, I want that dog. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, we have a couple more minutes left, so I want to really quickly just relate a heartwarming animal story. Because, you know, they're my favorite things. <laughs> oh, boy. When we did our podcast survey, um, heartwarming animal stories came in last as the as, in the ranking of things that people enjoy, which made me feel sad. <laughs> so anyway, you're going to listen to this heartwarming animal story. Dang it. <laughs> like the mandatory. OK, so oh, <laughs> at some point in the past, at least a few months back, there was this viral uh, video on social media of a guy saving his uh cavalier puppy from an alligator have you guys seen this mm-hmm. the guy it's like a video of this older guy like stalking into the lake and like reaching around he's like got a cigarette in his mouth like he doesn't even lose the cigarette the whole time he's fighting the alligator too like th- like this is a you know like a real western type clint eastwood dude okay he's like Sounds has like a cigarette he's like 
around in the water and he pulls the whole alligator up and like pries the mouth open and the dog is okay and escapes and I like watched that video repeatedly like oh my god like (laughs) he just like without thinking or or without even like second guessing it was just like I'm in the water saving my dog from this alligator I don't care and so anyway this week the dog has been like made a member of the local law enforcement agency like an honorary law enforcement officer to teach kids about wildlife safety (laughs) so i just thought everyone really needed that story in their lives (laughs) i'll share the link on social media but (laughs) that's very sweet that's amazing (laughs) you know how much i like animals and tiny metals yes and last season in one of my heartwarming animal stories magawa the landmine um seeking rat was featured and he has retired with great honor from sniffing landmines. So I thought we would give that update too. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> metals <guys>. everywhere. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to do in his retirement. Where do you I go don't... from there? You know? Hopefully eat lots of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Just cheese every day. <laughs> Hi guys. Just a reminder that the Alabama Veterinary Technician Association Fall CE meeting is going to be October the 23rd. And it is going to be a virtual meeting. I'm one of the presenters, and I hope to see you there. All right, guys. Well, if you have stories, questions, cases, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.